Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. We're going to jump right into some things today. Glory to God. It is good to be back in Brisbane and here at Rama Family. Glory to God. I love this church. Been here a number of times over the years and been in Australia many, many times. But I'm always delighted to come back and really be able to spend some time here with you. Here's what I found from the beginning, and I know you found it out too as a believer. You find out that God moves where He is wanted, not just where He is needed. In fact, our needs, you come to realize our needs don't actually move God at all. God's not moved because you have a need. God saw that you and I had needs, and He moved already on our behalf. Jesus paid a price for us. He's already provided for us the kinds of things that we have to have in order to discover and experience God on the highest level. Our needs today don't actually cause God to do anything different. He does what He does out of love. He does what He does and makes it available. But what has to happen is we step up and receive from God in ways that we haven't received before. And I'm, I'm expecting that to happen today and tonight in these meetings for you to be able to receive some things uh, that is going to make a big difference for you. Praise God. God moves where He's wanted. And we demonstrate what we want by what we pursue. It's not what we say we want that determines and really tells the story. It's what we actually want to the point of pursuit. It's what you go after. That's what you really want. It's not just what you randomly think or say. It's what you really make decisions in your life in order to pursue it. And that's why I believe you're here today. I believe you showed up today because you are pursuing the kinds of things that God really has designed for your life. Is that true for you? Well, that was really weak, but I'm going to go ahead and believe every one of you meant it. Praise God. Now look, I'm in an unusually good mood today. And I know that doesn't matter to you, but it matters to me, man. It feels good to feel good. I'm glad I'm here. And uh, I'm expecting. And I'm going to mess with you all day. It's just kind of the way it goes for me. And uh, I'm not going to apologize for it. It's just, uh, it's just the way it is. And so I, I was talking about you in the early service. I could apologize, but I won't. Uh, but I was also, I'm going to talk about them in this service, so I want to balance it out. But I really want to jump into some things in particular from God's Word that is, has been so big on the inside of me and some things that I believe will help connect how we can all go into action and be a part of God's plan for our personal life on a higher level than we've, we've been. I think all of us are hungry for the things of God, at least I'm going to assume that. Thank you, over here there was one or two. God moves more among the hungry than He does even among the holy. The Bible says that God's looking for people that are looking for Him. His eyes are going back and forth over the whole planet looking for people whose heart is loyal or devoted to Him. I think that's what brought you out today. I think that's why you're in church today. Because you're one of those kind of people. One of the kind of people whose heart is devoted to God. Or at least you're headed in that direction. Maybe you've question whether that really defines you or not, but uh, you can settle some things even right now that 
Uh, it's really all about your devotion to God that sets things in motion. God said this. He said his eyes go back and forth looking for that kind of person. And here's what he said he does when he finds them. That he may show himself strong on their behalf. We all need God showing himself strong on our behalf. I mean, doesn't that sound like good news to you? All right, well, that's good news. That God would show himself strong on your behalf. I found out early on, just as a young man, I found out actually when I was 17 years old that Jesus was not only the real deal. I already had gone to church a little bit as a kid. But at 17, I'd, been, I'd spent a number of years outside of the things of God, really pursuing and running after all kinds of stuff that's really none of your business. But it was, uh, it was not, you know, it wasn't about Jesus, you know. But uh, came to find out during that Jesus movement of the 60s and 70s, I was one of those guys, and came out of the drug scene and running the beaches of Southern California, uh, not pursuing God at all, but come to find out that Jesus was the real deal and that I had to lock into God. And I needed His power in my life and His goodness. I know what to call it now. At that time, all I, know, all I knew is I needed a change. I needed something because my life was headed down uh, the wrong path and I was fully aware of it. But the moment I came to know Jesus, the moment I really sold out and gave my life to Him, I found out that God was not only a good God, but He had very good plans for my life and for anybody's life. He had very good plans. He had a destiny. Now, we've come to learn that word, a destiny. You know what it means, though. It's, it's about a future that God has for you. But you come to realize when you walk with God and study Scripture that destiny is not automatic. It doesn't happen only because God has planned it. There's a lot of things God has planned that haven't happened. God hasn't planned for any person to not know Him, and yet a lot of people don't know Him. God really hasn't planned for people to be away from Him, and yet many people have never found Him. Many people have never come to know Jesus, and so that really wasn't His design for your life or for mine, for us to be away from Him. That's why He gave us the path and the, the way to come to God through Jesus. Hallelujah. And yet, God's plan doesn't always come about even now as a believer. The things God plans for us aren't automatic. We have to make certain choices. I mean, just to think that God controls every single thing about your life is proven wrong every time people get behind the wheel of a car. God does not plan for how crazy some people actually drive. That is not God's plan. Now, certainly, you're a good driver, but there were people here in the early service. They needed this. Man, they're, they're crazy. I grew up in Los Angeles. I live in Texas now. In Los Angeles, there's more people than you need everywhere. And they're on the highway. They're all, everybody owns cars, and they're all driving, and they drive aggressively at times. Not as aggressive as in Dallas, however. Dallas, Texas has some aggressive ideas uh, but I find even here, I've noticed uh, here, just right out on the M1, there's some creative driving going on. And I, think it's, I think it's evidence that God's not in control of everything. He doesn't control how you drive. He doesn't control how you think. He doesn't control some of the stupid stuff. Okay, not you, but some people do. And so part of the Christian life is finding out 
not only who God is, but what He wants, and finding out particularly how we can step into these things that He wants for us so that we're not opposed to God, we're not contradicting the things that God wants, we're actually walking into our destiny. Destiny's wrapped up really in a word, destination. God has a destination for every person. And ultimately, here's what it says in Scripture, man, that our destination, from God's point of view, is that each one of us would be conformed to look like Jesus. Woo! That's a tall order. I can't say that I'm there yet. I haven't met you, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. You're not there yet. All right. You know, we just haven't made it just yet. And yet, we are in the process of making the changes, the decisions that make us more like the Master. And that's really the quest and the desire of the true Christian, the real believer, not just the churchgoer. We're not just about going to church. I've never just been a churchgoer from the moment I came to know Jesus. I mean, He delivered me from a drug life. He delivered me from walking in sin. I knew I was going to hell. I understood certain things. And He's delivered me from that. And I know now it's such a real deal that that delivering power is for every person and it's part of the destination that God has in mind. You don't want to wreck your life. He's not into messing things up. No, that's what sin does. Sin is what messes our life. And it's Jesus that's brought the healing. And it, what it takes, though, is certain elements. And I want to focus on a couple in particular today. Certain things that will move us from where we are to where we know we really want to be in God. We don't even know all of the things that God has planned for us. But I promise you this, man. The more you find the better it looks. It just gets better. Now, I've been doing this since 1971, which is like, you know, like a long time, at least for me, you know, it's been a long time. But I find that it's not old, man. It's as new as, as today, man. It's alive, and I'm glad I'm alive. So I want, you to, I want you to read something with me. We're going to use the Bible today. What do you think? Is that a good idea? All right, we're in church, so we're going to use the Bible today. And... Um, and I want to read something to you, just a statement that God actually made to a man named Joshua, one of, the, one of the real key people you find in Scripture, Joshua, a man who was the assistant to Moses, a man that followed and really was in the background of things for, for a long time, from the days of Israel being in Egypt until they came out of Egypt and went into the wilderness, that wilderness experience, man. Joshua was an assistant, worked with Moses. But the time would come, and where we're going to read in Joshua, the first chapter, Joshua now himself is stepping up into leadership. He's becoming the guy. Moses is dead. In fact, Joshua begins with God telling, God telling Joshua that Moses, God's servant, he said, is dead. Joshua would have already known that, but for some reason God felt to emphasize it. Joshua had to know that it was his time, and God was going to say something to Joshua that would help move him from being the guy that was just following to a guy that was stepping up into leadership. And here's why this is important to you and me. Because while not everybody is going to be called to lead a nation of people and need, lead big numbers of folks, every believer is called to leadership in their own life. 
Leadership is all about influence. It's all about bringing influence. It's all about influencing others by the influence that God has had in us. That's what it is to each of us. Our life is not designed to just be about us doing better. Our life is also designed to not only do better, but also to empower other people to do better. Isn't that, isn't that really what really lights your fuse, man, lights you up? All right, three or four. Um, it, all right, well, here's what it could do. It could light you up. <laughs> Come on. Uh, I'm going to mess with you all day, I promise. So It's all about leadership, and Joshua was stepping over into this role of leadership. He had, he had been walking in a fashion of leadership with Moses, but Moses was leading, and God was leading him, and they spent those 40 years wandering through the wilderness. It was not necessary that they spend 40 years, I don't think. I think the Bible's clear about that. They could have passed through the wilderness in a lot shorter time. Days, really, maybe a few weeks, but uh, it wouldn't have been 40 years. My wife's got a theory as to why it took 40 years for Israel to pass through the wilderness. Moses, being a man, wouldn't ask directions. He, I don't know where my wife gets that, but I reject it. I just do. I just don't think it's right. But Joshua was now himself stepping into this role of leadership, and God had something to position for Joshua that I, I believe has to be alive for us right now, and God's positioning you and me. You know, this year, 2018, is a significant time for us in the body of Christ, and I realize any time is significant for us, man. God wants great things for us. doesn't matter what the calendar has to say, but I... I'm also convinced that we've stepped into a different place in this year, a, a place of authority, a place of God doing things through you and me as believers in a bigger way, in a higher level than we've ever seen. Now you have to choose to be a part of it. I have to choose to be a part of it. God's got plans that are going to come to pass whether you're a part of it or not, whether I'm a part of it or not, but I want in. How many of you want in? Say it out loud, I'm in. I'm all in. And that's what God's looking for, people that are all in. Joshua is one of those kind of people. And the people now that were following Joshua, they were all in. These were people that had not come out of Egypt. Their parents had come out of Egypt, but most of them had now died in that wilderness. All of these people nearly that were following Joshua were born out in that wilderness time. And every day of their life, they saw the power of God in their life. They saw God provide supernatural food. Water came out of rocks. Bread came out of the sky. Quail gave their lives up by the millions so that these people would eat. This is amazing. And they saw this every day of their life. And they saw God's delivering power. So they knew the supernatural. They understood something about God already. And God was going to take them now and show them things they had never seen. And here's what it was going to take. It was going to take what God said to Joshua in chapter 1 and verse 6, and I want to read it to you, where he said to Joshua, be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Then he said it again. 
Be strong, and this time he said, be what? Very courageous. Everybody said out loud, very courageous. I want to talk to you about courage. Because to live the life God's called you and me to live is, is going to take real courage. You see, the believer, the real Christian life that God's called us to is not really for the faint-hearted. It's not for the weakling. It's not for the wimpy. It's really for the courageous. It does take courage. And believe it or not, God has put on the inside of you and me everything it takes to be the kind of person that can live in this kind of courage to see what God has promised come about. Let me talk to you about courage. Courage is one of those things that's hard to define sometimes. You know it when you see it. You know it when you don't see it. You know when the firefighter is running into the building and everybody else is running out. You know there's courage involved. You know it took training, yeah, but it takes courage to be that kind of person. Not everybody's cut out for it. It takes courage for the police officer to run into the conflict when other people are scattering. It takes courage for the soldier to stay on the front line under fire and under attack when even in their own thinking they really would like to be somewhere else. It takes something on the inside. The English word I think gives us a lot of light I know we like studying the Greek and the Hebrew, I love all that. But even the English word in its roots and origin gives us some light as to what it means to be courageous. The, the word courage comes from the French word for heart. Heart. It's not just to have heart, it is to know how to follow what's on the inside of you. And for you and me as believers, man, it is to follow what God has put in us. To learn how to follow the word and the direction and the path God gives us, even when our head is telling us something different, we learn how to follow that substance of God, that empowering that God gives us. It takes courage to follow your heart when your head's telling you something else. Courage. God's called you and me to be people of courage. One dictionary defines courage this way, and I love this. To be courageous or to have courage is to have a buoyant spirit. I love that. Buoyancy. You know what it means to be buoyant. It means that when something's pulled underwater, you let it go and, man, right to the top it goes. Living on the coast of Southern California growing up, I used to go snorkel diving and spearfishing on a on a fairly regular basis when I could. I like the surfing and all these water sports, but uh, when we'd go out snorkel diving and spearfishing, there was times we'd go in the winter, which was kind of this time of year for us in Southern California. You'd get out there and uh, you'd be in a full wetsuit. You remember the wetsuits? You know, you look like a seal, and, uh, which is perfect as shark bait. But um, you're dressed in this rubber suit and and you got your spear, and you're really uncomfortable and goofy, but you get out. It helps with the cold water. You know all about this. But in those days, man, we put on this, this belt of weights, and it was to counteract the buoyancy because this rubber suit, you couldn't get under the water if all you had on was this goofy-looking rubber suit. 
One time we got all the way out. My friends and I, we had gone out to the kelp beds, which is where we'd chase fish around and shoot them. <laughs> I know it doesn't sound all that, all that exciting, but it was. It was a blast. And we'd go out and shoot the fish. I know, little poor helpless Nemo. But, uh, and I know I was one of the evil guys of the story, but... Anyway, I got all the way out there. We were out there with the friends, and I started to go down and dive under, and I couldn't get under the water because I'd forgot to put my weights on. And I was buoyant because I'm surrounded with a rubber suit. Now, you don't care, but it was very frustrating because the weights were all the way back in on shore, and it was not easy. This was a rocky coast, and it was dangerous getting in and out. Anyway, that's a long way to go, but buoyancy. You stay on top. And when the enemy comes to drag you under, there's something on the inside of you or even around you, you look like a seal with your little buoyant suit on. And just because Satan tries to drag you under, you have the courage to step up and rise up and stay on top of this situation in spite of all that's come at you. It takes courage to be the kind of believer God has called you and me to be in this day. Look, we're surrounded by negative. We're surrounded by discouraging things. We're surrounded by the strategies of an enemy that really defies what you and I believe and will do its best to defy us right to our face. And instead of cowering down and caving in because it's just too dangerous or too heavy or too... Too discouraging, we have found out that if we will stir up that courage that's on the inside of us, man, we are coming back to the top and we're staying. This isn't about hype. This isn't about just having a stiff upper lip and just taking it. This is about the spiritual substance that God's put on the inside of us to be courageous in these dark days. Darkness is not able to encroach on those that walk in the light and the courage of what God's Word has given them. Be strong, he said, and be courageous. It's not enough to be strong. You have to have courage. And oftentimes, here's what it really takes. It takes more than just the idea that we want to be courageous. It takes encouragement to be courageous and stay that way. It takes encouragement. And that's really what I've come to talk to you about today. Not anything that I've already said. Now I'm talking to you about what I really came to say. And that is, there's power in encouragement. One of the, one of the great guys of the New Testament in the book of Acts, really, is a man named Joseph. You find him in Acts chapter 4 in verse 36, where Joseph was called by the apostles Barnabas. And from this point on, you only hear him referred to as Barnabas. And why is it he was called Barnabas? Because Barnabas simply means son of encouragement. The apostles renamed this man for some reason. What would it have been about this man that caused the apostles to call him this, Barnabas, son of encouragement. I believe it's crystal clear. It's because when Barnabas came in the room, 
he brought in the light and the substance of courage and the words and influence of encouragement. And they just decided to call him son of encouragement. What do you bring in the room when you walk in? You know, some people are, they, they just bring a lightness. They bring a life. They bring some joy. They bring some happiness when they come in the room. Other people, they're sort of like the dark cloud. They've moved in and people want to scatter. Oh my gosh, here comes the darkness. And you got to decide what kind of believer you're really going to be. What, what is it you bring? Barnabas brought encouragement. I believe this is one of the most spiritual activities and assignments you and me have is that we become believers that bring encouragement. Everybody needs encouragement and Barnabas was the kind of man that brought it. Here's what you find out about Barnabas just quickly. You find out that he was such an encouragement and caught the vision of ministry just as a businessman and an investor in that church. He sold a piece of property and he gave all of the money from that property to the ministry. Ooh, that would be encouraging, at least to the people in the ministry it would have been. But he caught it. He understood it. But that's not where it ended, man. You find this man, Barnabas, he himself went out as an encouragement into churches and into places around until he ultimately would find this man, Saul, a man that had been dangerous as a Pharisee, but he had gotten saved. Nobody trusted Paul. He later became Paul. The apostles didn't know what to think all that much about Paul until Barnabas went and got him and brought him and connected him to the other apostles in Jerusalem. He was such an encouragement that God kept using him until the church sent him out as a ministry himself to bring the word and minister the gospel all over Asia. And in fact, the very first missionary venture of the Apostle Paul, Barnabas, was the lead man. The Bible says that the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, went out. Things had changed for this man that was just a part of the church. He'd become so influential that he's now an apostle. That's amazing. Now look, that doesn't mean that everybody that is in church is going to end up as an apostle. That's not the message at all. But there's something very powerful that happens in the believer that has more than themselves on their mind. Now look, everything about the promise of God is about lifting our life. We know that. We need to know that. It's not about self-humiliation by by self-abasement and putting ourselves down that other people are lifted up. No, we're to love others as we love ourselves. There has to be something happening inside of you for this to work. But the assignment that we've been given is not just to live better, but actually to be used by God to help 
empower other people to live better. And Barnabas had discovered this power. It's the power of encouragement. This is what I want to see happen inside of you right now today, that some switch gets flipped inside of you to see something from a real different light as to how God would use you also to be a Barnabas, a voice of encouragement. You know, anybody can whine and complain. Most people do. Most people even in church do. Now, I'm not talking about you, but there were a few here in that early service. That's how they are. <laughs> now, they're everywhere, man. Christians, oftentimes, they, they sound uh, just like the rest of the world, whining about the government, about the conditions, about the morality, about the darkness, about the heaviness, about how bad it is, and it's getting worse. But in the end, my friend, man... What really makes a difference is not all the whining and complaining. What really makes a difference is that we've locked in to the strength and courage to the point that we're not only encouraged ourselves, but we're actually bringing encouragement to people around us. You've got to find out how that can happen even through you. You really do. Each one of us have to find this out. And it's not all that hard to be an encouragement. It's really not. I promise you, you've had ideas and thoughts that have hit you about how to be a word of encouragement, say something positive and good to somebody else. Maybe you passed it by and didn't say it. But man, you've had those times and opportunities. I had, I had the Lord do something in me that just helped underscore this for me. And this was a long time ago, but I'd been ministering at a church and I hadn't been there now in quite some time. And I walked into my office one morning and I thought about this pastor, his name also Paul. And I thought, now, you know, I wonder how Paul is. It just came up random. I don't know why I would have thought about Paul, except you come to realize this is how the Holy Spirit does stuff. And I just thought about this man, Paul, and I thought, you know, I don't know how he's doing, but I think I'll just give him a call. I hadn't talked to him in ages. I mean, years. It had been years. So I called Paul. The phone began to ring, and I had this thought blow through my head. Now, for a guy who's had a lot of different kinds of weird thoughts blow through his head... You really got to decipher if this is actually the Lord or not. But I'd been walking in these things enough to understand it. It was the Lord. It was just this random thought. Paul's radio broadcast is having a great impact in his city. That's the thought I had. I didn't even know if he still had a radio broadcast. I knew he did years ago. I didn't know if he did now. Paul picks up the phone. Hey, Paul, this is Dennis Burke. Dennis, wow, we haven't talked in a long time. Hi, Paul, how are you? Yeah, fine, fine, chat, chat. Everything's fine, fine, fine. And then I said, Paul, your radio broadcast is having a great impact in your city. I didn't know if it was going to make any difference or not. But, you know, you just throw stuff up against the wall, see if it sticks. <laughs> and next thing I know, Paul has dropped the phone on the floor. Bam! I'm still listening. Then I heard what I now know is the sound of dancing by phone. He began to dance around his office where he had answered the phone. And while he did, he began to shout, Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Oh, thank you. I mean, he is going off on this little statement that I just made to him randomly. Your radio broadcast is having a great impact. Well, I thought I'd hang in there long enough to find out what this was all about. It sounded good. 
He picked up the phone finally, and he said, Dennis, Dennis. I said, yes. He said, I've just been in my office talking to the Lord, and I just said to the Lord, literally, Lord, I don't know what to do about this radio broadcast. I don't feel like it's having any impact in my city. Ring, ring. Paul, your radio broadcast is having a great impact in your city. I mean, it was the very words. Glory to God. Now, for me, it was just a random thought, bam, blowing through my head. But I know what it is. It was a word really from the Lord for him. Now, for him, it was like the sky opened up, the heavens, well, he could see the Red Sea divided. All right, I know it wasn't that big, but it was big. And I promise you, every person that walks with Jesus has had those kinds of thoughts that God has given you that would be just that big to somebody else. But we pass it by. We dismiss things because what if I'm wrong? Well, come on. That wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> or the second. You've been wrong before. But you may be right. And when it's a word of encouragement, I believe the Holy Spirit will help you to say the kinds of things that will be right. Sure, there's risk involved, but so what? Just a word of encouragement. God wants to help us to be that kind of believer that has that kind of encouraging word. Here's what the Bible says in, in uh, Hebrews chapter... Where did it go? Chapter 3, somewhere in here. Chapter 3 and verse 13 says that we are to encourage one another every day. Now, we're word people. We believe the Bible, but are we actually doing that? You know, there's people, they whine every day. They complain every day. They don't like something about everything every day. But are we being a word of encouragement ever? I know that sounds so harsh to say it just that way, but man, I, I think we've got to wake up to the fact that we can participate in the plan of God and do something really powerful in some very simple ways. Patsy and I were talking in between, uh, in between service, and she said this, and this is so exactly in tune with the, this very point. This gives us the doorway of being used in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. A word. A word of knowledge. A word of wisdom. A word of encouragement. Comes from the Holy Spirit to every believer. Every single one of us. He said encourage one another every day. The Apostle Paul. He also needed encouragement. He needed it just like anybody else does. This is true for all of us. But I want to take you to a place in Scripture where he, he really addresses this exact issue in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Now this is the second letter, hence being called 2 Corinthians. There was a 1 Corinthians. You know, it's in the Bible. And that was the first letter he wrote to the Corinthians. And in this first letter to the Corinthians, man, he had straightened some things out. He had to correct some things that were wrong in that church. And he addressed some things that was pretty harsh at times. But now he's writing a second letter and apparently that Corinthian church had really taken to heart everything that the apostle had said to them. 
You know, not everybody does. Some people hear things that are corrective and a little, little bit, uh, you know, straight, kind of cut a little deep, and they get their little feelings hurt, and they're out. Well, nobody's going to talk to me like that. You know, just like little babies. <laughs> I didn't say you. But the early service had a number of people that needed to hear that. But these people, they heard what Paul had said, and apparently things changed for them. Because watch how he starts this statement that I want to read to you. This is 2 Corinthians now, chapter 7, verse 4, where he said, I have the highest confidence in you. He said, I take great pride in you. That's nothing like what he said in the first letter. So things had changed. But then he goes on, and this is the heart of what I want you to catch. You have greatly encouraged me, made me happy despite all of our troubles. Somehow I love that line. All the trouble I've had with you and all the trouble you've had with me, I am encouraged by you. That had to sound good. But then he goes on and he said this. He said, verse 5, When we arrived in Macedonia, there was no rest for us. We faced conflict from every direction. Now watch this next line. This is it. With battles on the outside and fear on the inside. I read that a few months back and I thought, wait a minute. I know I've read this before, but I never saw it like that. The apostle Paul, what did he just say? Yeah, he had battles on the outside. We know about the battles. He had all kinds of people that hated him. He stirred up stuff most places that he went. He spent days out in the middle of the sea holding on to a plank. He had some terrible battles even here in Macedonia. But here's what he said. The battles on the outside and, this is what's shocking, even Paul said, the fear on the inside. Paul had to deal with the same kind of things that you and me deal with every time. Battles on the outside, and here's the game of these battles, it is to spark some kind of fear and disconnect in your life on the inside. To disconnect you from the confidence you have in God. To disconnect you from the peace or the sense of victory or the hope for healing or the various promises that God has to somehow disconnect you from that and fill you with the fear that what is a battle is not going to have a good conclusion at all. Paul said it. The battle's on the outside. Okay, we all have battles. But we also all face the challenge of fear getting on the inside to disconnect us. You see, fear is a currency. It's like the currency of the kingdom of darkness. Just like faith is the currency of the kingdom of God. And this is vital for you and me to know when we're facing whatever kind of temptations and battles and struggles we go through that it is not just about the battle or the moment, it's about the, the disconnect and the fear that Satan's trying to lodge inside of you so that you won't see through everything and get to the place that God wants you. But now watch what he said. This, this is why we're watching and looking at this. Because there's a solution to this. With battles on the outside and fear on the inside. Verse 6 begins this way. But God. Everybody said out loud, but God. 
That changes battles. That changes everything. That changes the fear that Satan's trying to strike on the inside. And it did even for Paul. Watch what he says. But God, who encourages those who are discouraged, encouraged us by the arrival of Titus. Titus. A young man that was like a son to the Apostle Paul, a son in the Lord, not biologically, but spiritually. And yet now Titus has showed up in this region where Paul is facing these battles and this attempt for fear to even disconnect Paul from his assignment and his calling. And what does Titus do? He shows up. Now there's some other information here, but what I want you to catch is that sometimes showing up is what really brings encouragement. You just... Somebody just showed up. Somebody cared. Somebody was interested enough to let you know they love you. They believe in you. They have a word, something that just lets you know you're not on your own. You're not caving in. God's on top of this also. You're not by yourself. Glory to God. Titus showed up. Sometimes we do nothing because we don't know what to do when all we really need to do is just show up. And then be in a place where God could give you some other details maybe. Or maybe all you have to do is show up. You just be there. And I'm not talking about just showing up to church, although tonight at 6 o'clock that would be good. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's shameless, I know. But, um, but it's important that we be the kind of people that have the lifestyle of thinking beyond ourselves. We always want a Barnabas, we want a Titus, but there is also the times we have to become the Barnabas and Titus. And that's what I want to have settle in on you today because you've got what it takes for this already. When you know Jesus and the Holy Spirit is within you, you've got the equipment, my friend. But too often we just let it lie because of our needs. Don't get me wrong. God's interested in you getting your needs met. It's all over Scripture. We could spend the whole day talking about all kinds of reasons. But right now, God wants us to see something different about being the source of victory and courage to bring encouragement to somebody. And it can come in a lot of easy ways, just like it did for Paul. It was just a phone call. But with that phone call came this random thought. It was a word from the Holy Spirit. It was right on time for what Paul needed. Oftentimes, you'll be right on time for just what someone needs. You can be in the darkest, or they may be in the darkest situation you know nothing about. And you don't have to know. You don't have to be aware of a situation to be the voice of encouragement, and God will use you in this. This is what we're hungry for. We don't want to just know God. We want to be used we want to be a part of the program. Every one of us are. You are. A little over two years ago, it was actually in July, Vicki and I really faced one of the darkest attacks and heaviest times we've ever faced. Satan had attacked us. The reports were not good. We were under pressure. It had gone on for a few days and nothing seemed to get better. It only grew worse. 
And when you're under this kind of pressure, man, it's like from daylight till dark, the moment you open your eyes till you finally close them late at night, you are hearing and under the voice and the, the pressure of how this is not going well, it's going wrong, and it's not going to end right. The very things of battle on the outside, but Satan doing his best to strike fear on the inside. Now, Vicki and I, we're not new at this. We're not novices, man. We've been doing this for a lot of years. And we know how to believe God and stand on the Word, stand in faith and speak God's Word, and that's exactly what we were doing. We don't call everybody under the sun and get everybody to pile on God to finally convince God to do something. That's how some people think it goes. That's not how it works. Now, if you call people for prayer, that's fine. There's one or two people we'll let know that we, we just want them to stand with us, but we don't go into a whole lot of detail about any of it. And people don't need that. But in this case, man, there was maybe one or two that knew a little bit about things, but nobody else really, and, and uh, that's fine. But we were three days into this. Nothing was changing. We're speaking the word the reports are not what the Word says, man. We have to choose the report that we're going to believe. We're going to believe what God says or we're going to believe what, what the signs say. And it didn't look good. Suddenly, though, three or four days into this, I get a text. Vicki and I are together. We're, we were together nonstop in this. And I get a text. And I get a text from somebody that I'd known, a minister that I've known. I hadn't talked to him in quite some time. And and uh, I never get a text from this man. I've never texted him before. He had never texted me. I don't email him. He doesn't email me. I don't call him. He doesn't call me. It's the perfect friendship uh, in so many ways. He's the kind of guy, there's nothing I wouldn't do for him. There's nothing he wouldn't do for me, which is why we continue to do nothing for each other. <laughs> and that just seems to have worked well for us. But suddenly I get a text from this guy. And here's how this text begins. He says, Dennis, I have found myself praying for you and Vicki over the last couple of days. Whew. What? I have, I have somebody that God has tagged on my behalf. God's on top of this situation. I am not on my own. You know these things in your head. You've realized these things from the habits that you've developed over the years. We had been at this a long time. But my goodness, how refreshing it is for someone to say it. I've been praying for you the last couple of days. He didn't know we were in the thick of all this. He didn't have any natural reason. But God had tagged him. God has our six, man. God knows what's coming behind us, and He's dealing with it, even though we don't necessarily feel it just yet. The signs aren't all lining up, but the Word remains the same, and the encouragement that comes just brought us right back up to that buoyancy that put us spiritually, mentally, where we needed to be. There was some refreshing that came with that. It's like a breeze came into the room. No, we didn't feel it. You didn't see the curtains move. But it was like a spiritual breath of God came into us. Man, it just got all over us, the presence and the goodness of God. Now, the text went on with some other things that really didn't relate at all to the situation we were in. Not at all. 
But it did describe some things about the days ahead. And even that was encouraging because it means I have days ahead. Hallelujah. And here's what we found. The next morning, what had been going on for days and getting progressively worse, suddenly now began to shift and move in a great direction. And within three more days, it was all over and we were out. And I look back to that moment of encouragement and refreshing that came from it and say God did something through someone a thousand plus miles away from me with a simple text, a word. Each one of us have that capacity to encourage one another. And it doesn't have to be wrapped up with lots of information. It can just be that I'm thinking about you. want you to know you're important in my life. I'm so glad I know you and that God's placed you in my life or that I'm in yours. Or whatever it is. And you'll find God will start to use you to be an encourager. Takes you out of yourself. But here's what it also does. When you encourage somebody, man, you know what happens. God starts to use those things and it encourages you as well. This is far more spiritual than some people give it credit for. This is that buoyancy of the Holy Spirit. We've got too many people that are walking in a downcast manner. Their soul is heavy. Their thoughts are consumed with how tough it is, how bad things are, how difficult the times are, how much I hurt, how bad the report has been, how negative the finances have become. And instead, we encourage someone and God uses our own words to even encourage ourselves. But you know, there are times, and we all know it, you've all faced it, we have too, when there is no Barnabas coming. There's no Titus on the horizon, man. You are like on your own. And in those times, man, it can feel very lonely and alone. Don't let the devil lie to you about this. Don't let him trick you into caving in. And falling for self-pity because nobody's coming to your help and coming to your aid and to your side. It's times like this, man, we get some real light from King David in the Scripture. Actually, before he was king, he was facing one of these very heavy, dark moments in his life. If you remember the story, they were running from Saul. King was the uh, King Saul... David was running from King Saul in the Old Testament. And while he was running, he had 400 men and their families that were all devoted to David and to the situation of God's calling and assignment on David's life. They were with him, 400 plus people. And all of them were running, and yet during this time, while they were encamped in the city of Ziklag, which was a Philistine city, interestingly enough, it was a city, a town that would not have been uh, a favorite place to, to go for them. But there they camped and there they stayed in their tent city for a period of time. But a day came when the men had to leave for a few days to take care of some business. And during that time, another enemy of David's, David had plenty of them, the Amalekites came. And when the Amalekites came, they burned the whole city. They took everything of value including women and children. 
and they left nothing but ash for David and his men to come back to. This was dark time. This was heavy. It was so heavy that the men that were with David, loyal and devoted, in a moment of pressure, they turned on David. This is weird, but it happens all the time. It even happens in churches. Pressure comes. Heavy times happen. And instead of really focusing on the real issue, and in this case in Scripture, it was the Amalekites. They're the ones that did this. But everybody turned on David. It's because of you that we're in this mess. And they began to talk about killing David. These are loyal people, friends. Man, you got friends like that. You don't need the devil mad at you. Well, that's how it was for David. So David went to the Lord all by himself. There was nobody. He inquired of the Lord. And the Bible says this, that David then encouraged and strengthened himself in the Lord his God. There's those two words, those two ideas. Same thing that God told Joshua. Be strong and be courageous. What did David do? He strengthened and encouraged himself. When nobody's coming, sometimes you just got to do it yourself. In fact, every time you need to do it yourself. That's the plan. We're not waiting. Now, thank God for Barnabas and Titus showing up. But when they're not there, you got to be busy strengthening and encouraging yourself. And what does it sound like to encourage yourself? It sounds like in the face of disease, I'm the healed. In the face of depression, I'm the overcomer. I'm going over. I'm not going under. I refuse to cave in. I'm a believer. I'm a child of the Most High God. Jesus dwells in me. I'm the healed. Satan has no place. He has no authority in my life. He's got no right to me because I belong to God. I belong to the King. I'm a son of the living God. I'm a believer. You begin to stir it up on the inside. And you may not feel or sound all that convincing right at the beginning. You feel pretty depressed and down and dark and woe is me and it's bad. It's getting worse. But uh, we're not caving into that. We just stir it up ourselves. You keep it coming. You keep saying what God says in the face of anything that Satan throws at you. That's what David did. And he even asked the Lord, do I pursue this enemy? The Amalekites, do I pursue them? And God said, you pursue them. You will overtake them and you'll recover everything that was stolen from you. So I've got a word for you today. It's time for you to pursue overtake and recover everything that Satan has stolen from you. Your health, your wealth, the days ahead, the picture Satan's tried to paint for these days for you, it's a lie. And the real truth is that what God has said is the light is shining on you. These are bright days and we declare it in Jesus' name. You pursue, you overtake, you recover everything that has been stolen. That's what Scripture tells us to do. We encourage ourselves in the Lord our God. Now look, I came today to be your Barnabas, man, to be your Titus. I came to be a word of encouragement to you. That these are good days for you. 
Oh yeah, there's a clashing of kingdoms. I'm going to talk more about that tonight, man. You don't want to miss this tonight. But there is a clashing of kingdoms. There's the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of God. But my friend, there's no question about what kingdom we're in and which kingdom rules and reigns. Glory to God. There is no question. Now you may have a question. Some people have a question. But in reality, there is no question. It is the kingdom of our God. And we belong to this kingdom right now. If you know Jesus as the Lord of your life. Now, if you don't know Jesus as the Lord of your life, you can make that shift here today. This is what it's all about. Every one of us have had to make the choice to step into this kingdom of God's goodness, His light, His love. And in spite of the negative and the bad stuff that's happened, we come to understand that while we may not have seen the goodness of God in our life, yet, when you get into this kingdom and you lay hold on these promises, you start to find out what it's really all about. So I came to encourage you today that these are days for you to be buoyant. Rise right back up to kick loose whatever tricks and strategy the devil has tried to use against you. That in Jesus' name, this is your day. This is the day the Lord has made. The day of deliverance. The day of healing. The day of restoration. The day of hope. The day of power. The day of deliverance. That's what came into our life through Jesus. This is that day. And I want you to stand with me. I want us to announce it together once again. Glory to God. Days of courage. Days of encouragement. Days of deliverance. This is your day of deliverance. This is your day of restoration. Just with a word, we release power that brings healing and deliverance right now into this auditorium, into, into your own body, into your own soul. What Satan has done to try to trick you and to try to bury you and keep you underneath, right now we just choose to kick it loose. And let the Holy Spirit cause you to rise right back to the top in the name of Jesus. We cast off discouragement. That's what Paul did. He did it when Titus came. I want you to do it right now. Whatever has come at you. Whatever has tried to tell you that it's not going to turn out well for you. Your days are not going to turn out well. I'm here to tell you God's got plans, a destination for you that's bright. That's beautiful. That's full of power, full of love, full of the kinds of things that we know God's kingdom is all about. So in the name of Jesus, here we stand. Lift a hand before God. Say it out loud. This is the day. Today is the day of deliverance. It's the day for my healing. It's the day of recovery. This is the day the Lord has made. And I rejoice because my deliverance is at hand. My freedom is now. My healing is now. I declare it to be so. I announce it. I release it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Glory to God, amen. Now go ahead and rejoice. Go ahead and be glad. Glory to God.
That's how it works. This is what Psalm 118 says. That's what we've been saying. This is that day. This is the day of courage and encouragement. So you be encouraged in the Lord your God. Because these are good days. And the reason I can announce that I don't even have to know the situation in your life. I realize it'd be totally diverse. I don't have to know the details. But I know the plan God has. I don't know the individual assignment of your life, but I know how He wants it to look. He wants it to look like Jesus is really Lord in your life. That you really are ruling and reigning in Christ Jesus. That you really are experiencing the goodness of God in the land of the living. That's what our life is designed to be. It is designed to become encouraging. Are you encouraged today? Glory to God. Would you lift a hand one more time and thank God for it? Come on, we thank you, Lord Jesus. We bless you, O King. We declare in Jesus' name that the Word is alive right now in us. Now look, I realize also in an audience this size, there is someone here you've never really personally determined that Jesus would be Lord of your life. You've come for whatever reason somebody invited you or you've been coming for a period of time, but... Truthfully, you don't know for sure if you were to die, if you would actually go to heaven or not. There's always people in that situation. We've all been there. But you've come today in that situation. You really don't know. Everybody hopes they'd go to heaven. But not everybody knows. And yet you can know. You can know before you leave this room that Jesus is Lord of your life, that you're forgiven of sin, and that heaven really is your home comes with a decision it comes when we make a decision to put God first and for Jesus to become the Lord of our life personally the Bible's clear that he's Lord of all but he has to become your personal Lord and that happens with a decision it doesn't happen by cleaning your life up people have tried that approach it just doesn't work out very discouraging. We don't clean up first and then come. No, we come just like we are right now. And some of you have come into this service today and you don't really know if heaven would be your home. And yet, I'm going to lead you in a prayer here in just a moment. And you're going to be able to leave here knowing that heaven really is your home, that you belong to God, that Jesus really is the Lord of your life. So if you'd say to me, Dennis, I really don't know for sure that if I was to die, I'd go to heaven. But I want to know. If that's you, I want to lead you in a prayer right now. And if that's you, I'd like you to raise a hand just just to let me know. That's all I'm going to ask you to do other than pray this prayer. You say, Dennis, I really do want to know. I want Jesus as the Lord of my life. I'm making a decision. Anybody at all? I want you just to lift a hand right now. We're all going to pray this. Thank you. Right over here. God bless you. Anybody else? You want to join this one? This is the time. And by acknowledging this, all you're saying is, I'm in. This is, this is just what I want. So I want every one of us to raise our hands now together. Everyone, raise a hand. And I'd like to ask that one or maybe others to raise your hand right now and just say this right out to God. Oh God, I stand before you and I believe Jesus is Lord of all and I make Jesus the Lord of my own life. Lord Jesus, I give you my life, my past, present, and future. I belong to you from this day forward. 
then I receive you to be the King and Lord of my life. I declare it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Father, I pray for every person that's made this decision. And I pray that the power of the Holy Spirit will wash deep through them and that they will know that they know they know that they have been forgiven and that they're a part of this house, the family of God. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. That's the real deal. That's just how it happens. We make a choice. We declare it. Things change. That's just the starting point. Can you say amen? Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.